Good evening and welcome to Spirit of Grace Church. <clears throat> Excuse me, we're so glad that you're able to be with us tonight. and We pray that something that would be said would uh, challenge you and encourage you and embolden you maybe and give you a desire to draw closer to Jesus. The Bible says that if you draw near to him, he will draw near to us. And it's our intention, our desire to continually draw near to him in everything that we do. Praise God. We're so glad that we're back together online tonight. And we're so glad that things are happening at the church and in the kingdom. We pray that thankful that we were able to gather together last Sunday in person. We'll be back there this weekend. Remember that we have Life uh, uh, Grace College tomorrow night at 7 p.m., as well as our ladies are getting together at 6.30 p.m. on Friday. You don't want to miss that, ladies. And then on Sunday, 9.30 for Sunday school. If you have children, especially, it's really good for everybody, but if you have children especially, you want them to be there at 9.30 for our children's ministry. And then in our adult session as well, we've got education opportunities for all ages, our kids, our middle school, our adults. And... Uh, we're thankful to be able to share the word of the Lord with each one and then our worship service at 1030. Praise God. I'm thankful to know who he is in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. I'm thankful that we have the opportunity that <clears throat> we don't have to just kind of guess, but we can follow his word. And uh, tonight I feel led to share with you uh, the concept to a certain extent, let me use the term levels of relationship with him. And maybe levels isn't the, the, the right word, maybe connectedness is. And uh, I believe that there are all kinds of people that have different kinds of relationships with Jesus Christ. And I believe that he wants all of us to be united together with him and to know him. And uh, John 17, 3 simply says this, and this is life eternal, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And so I believe that God is challenging each one of us to know him better, to have a new revelation of the mighty God in Christ. Uh, John 1, 1 and John 1, 14, the word, the logos, the God himself becoming flesh and dwelling among us. And uh, I believe that we have the opportunity because of the sacrifice of Calvary to dwell in unity and in communion with Almighty God whenever we would desire. Because I believe that the thing that was lost in the garden was not humanity. I believe that the thing that was lost in the garden was the communion between God and humanity. I believe he knows exactly where everybody's at and what they're doing and what they're experiencing. And so when the Bible says he came to seek and to save that which was lost, I don't believe he's talking about people there. I think he knows where everybody's at. I think what he's trying to reconcile, restore, uh, whatever you want to call it, he's wanting to get that communion back with us. And that's why it's life eternal that they might know. That word know there has more to do with intimacy than it does with intellect. And um, I, I want to know him. Paul said it this way in Philippians 3, I believe, 
that we might know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to read one other passage and then just kind of, if the goal is to know him, if the goal is to draw as close to him as we possibly can before we move into a different dimension with him, whether it be through the doorway of the grave or the doorway of the rapture, either one, it's our intention, it's our goal and challenge from God himself to know him even better. And uh, I want to just share one passage of scripture at the end because this is an example, I believe, of where God wants us in this level of relationship or layer of relationship, if you want to use that term. So I'm reading from John chapter um, 19, verse number uh, 25. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. And I do want to just share with you what I believe is, <clears throat> excuse me, this concept of I hate using the word levels, but um, if Jesus is the center and use the concept of a archery target, if he's the center of that target and there's the different layers outside of the target, and I believe that there's at least um, at least five of them or six of them, <coughs> excuse me, but I believe as we get closer to him, we get to know him better. There's the fringe and all the way right to his closest. And that's the ones that I want to talk about tonight. I believe that God wants us to be so in tune with him, but we have to elevate, if you will, or graduate from one connect point to another with him and become mature in him and grow in him. Because the first layer in, that I find in scripture of relationship with Christ is the crowds. You know, sometimes we don't realize that there were crowds and crowds of people everywhere Jesus went, and they followed him around from city to city. And uh, they, they were there all the time. And uh, in fact, there's several times in scripture where the Bible says, that Jesus needed to withdraw from the multitudes. There were multitudes of people. Uh, if there was anybody that could grow a crowd in the Bible days, Jesus was definitely that person that drew the crowd. Now, the problem with the crowd is they were there for the show. They really didn't believe in who Jesus was. They didn't have a desire really to get to know him. They just wanted to see the show, the production, the miracles. They just wanted to see, and I believe that we have a lot of people today that hear the things of the Lord. They experience some of them, but they never believe in Jesus. They just believe in the miraculous. Uh, let me put it to you this way. I believe that there's a lot of spiritual-minded people, but that spirit isn't necessarily the divine spirit of God. That spirit is just the concept of spirituality, if you will. 
And so they haven't figured out that the miracle signs and wonders are just expressions from the one that's performing the miracle signs and wonders. And they have fallen in love, if you will, with the miracle signs and wonders. And they hear and they follow in that regard. But the minute that the miracles stop happening or the signs and wonders stop happening, they have not developed a relationship with the individual or the person of God that's performing the miracles. And I believe the problem on that level is the lack of belief. They only can believe to a certain extent. And we talked about this a little bit if you listen to the message on Sunday, uh, the different kinds of grounds. And uh, whether it's through no fault of their own or whether it's through their own lack of belief, they're attracted to the show, but they're not attracted to the showman. They're attracted to all of the expressions of the church, if you will, or the expressions of Christianity, but they're really not, a, they're, they're really not drawn to Christ. They don't believe that that Christ is real. And, and so uh, that's, that's the crowd. And I, I fear that there are a lot of people that attend churches that hear the word of the Lord week in and week out. And some of you join me here online and, and other preachers and ministries that are out online and you listen for a little bit, but then uh, you're, you're just waiting for the show. You're not really wanting to get a hold of Jesus. My friend, Jesus wants to be your closest friend, your closest advocate. He doesn't want you on the fringe trying to, trying to live in both sides of the worldly fence, if you will. He wants you to be in connection and communication and in communion with him. And so that's the first layer that I see in the scripture is the crowd. The reason, one of the other reasons we know that the crowds followed him is one of the responsibilities or one of the requirements in Acts chapter 1 that the disciples used to choose Judas Iscariot's replacement was that they had to be somebody that was there from the beginning. So we, we know just through the concept of scripture that the crowds followed Jesus wherever he went. And there was always a throng of people uh, wherever he would stop to teach or, or to perform miracles. And, and, uh, but that's, that's where they remained. They remained in the crowd. Uh, the second level of relationship, if you will, in Scripture are the 5,000. The 5,000. Uh, that's just the men. 5,000 men plus the women and children. But, but those that are there for a miracle, they hear... They believe what they're hearing, but what they're hearing is a self-focused, self-centered belief. They're the people who seek God for what God can do for us, what God can do for me. And they're seeking, instead of seeking, well, let me say it in this, in this phrase, they're seeking for what God can do for them instead of seeking God for who God is. I hope that makes sense. And listen, we learn from a very young age. Uh, we used to sing the song, if you read your Bible, pray every day, you're going to grow, grow, grow. And if you don't, you're not going to grow. And, and that mindset as children carry over to everything else. And we've heard preachers preach and teachers teach, you know, just by really taking scripture out of context, saying, ask whatever you want of God, and he's going to do it because he loves you. He doesn't want anything bad to happen to you. He wants everything to be good. Can I just tell you on a side note, there are some situations that God will get in 
get you into and allow you to walk into that are not good, but they're for his glory and they're and God will eventually use it for good. I use this example all the time and you've heard me share it before, but I'm not the kind of person that will go and eat the ingredients of a chocolate chip cookie. I, I don't like eating raw egg. I don't like eating raw flour. I don't like eating raw baking soda. I, I don't, I, brown sugar's not too bad. I don't, you know what I'm talking about. And, 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 but, but when you put all of those together and you mix it together and you apply the appropriate heat and when your cookie comes out, it's, it's excellent. Well, the 5,000 don't want to deal, the layer of the 5,000, they believe, they hear, but it's all about them. They don't want to hear about having to go through the flames of the fire to cook the ingredients together and to bake the ingredients of our lives together. They just want to say that the scripture that says all things work together for them to that love God, they just want all the quote-unquote good aspects of it. They don't realize that that scripture is saying that God takes all of the negative stuff as well and puts it together and when he puts the good and the bad and the ugly and he puts the flames of the Holy Ghost on it and heats it up and melts it all together, that's when you get something that's good. And I believe the reason why this, this layer of the 5,000, if you will, or this level of the 5,000 in relationship with him, it's because people don't see the big picture. Uh, they become so narrow focused about what the kingdom of God and the family of God is all about. They, they get to the point where, where religion, where God, where relationship with Jesus Christ is not really about the big picture of mankind, but it's about their individual, uh, how does it benefit me? Um, I believe that or difference between the crowd and the 5,000 is that the 5,000 want to follow. They're not just there for to, to see and be awed by the production, but at the same time, they're the risk analysts. And, and what I mean by that is they look at what Jesus has to offer, and if the risk is within their toleration, they'll jump on board and become involved. But the minute that it gets be begins to get too risky when God asks too much in their mind then they back away because it's a self-centered self-focused um, level of relationship with Jesus and, and let me just stop here before I go further all of us everybody included in, who's hearing this myself included all of us have gone through the process of these different layers of relationship. You can't go to the top layer or level without crossing through the lower levels. We were all a part of the crowd at one day, at one time. We were all part of that group that just wanted to see what God would do, just wanted to see and experience the moving of the presence of God. We were, we were in that mode or that mentality to, to be able to, uh, uh, to witness, if you will, the greatness of the Lord. And then we were also part of that 5,000. When we start our relationship with God, it's all about us. It, it really is. We, be honest with yourself. Be honest with myself. It starts out in a very selfish 
mindset, if you will, in, in a very narrow-minded aspect. Because you think about it, any child, what's the first words that they usually, hopefully sometimes it's mama or daddy, but a lot of times the first word that they really hang on to is mind. And the whole concept of our first five years of life as we're learning and being trained, hopefully, by our parents, but it's really all about us. What's our food? What's our clothes? What can you do for me? I love my mom and dad, but I don't, I, I don't see the big picture of the family structure. What I see is simply the fact that what can God do for me? What can mom and dad do for me? What, can, what is the opportunity that I can get from this relationship with the Lord? Because if I can get something with this relationship with the Lord, then I'm in good shape. So we all go through these different levels. So uh, I, I said that to say this, these levels that I'm talking about today are not levels of uh, criticism. They're not levels of um, of choice. We've all been through them. And, and the desire of my heart, and I hope the desire of your heart, is to grow in him so that these levels of relationship can continually grow and build upon one another and operate upon one another and become to the place where in a few minutes I'll share with you one of the relationships and one of the relative levels of understanding that we have with him. Uh, that's where my ultimate goal is, but I can't get there unless I take the steps. So the third level that I see in scripture today is the 70. Remember he sends, sends out the 70? These 70 are closer to the heart of God, okay? They, uh, they, they leave the level of observation. The first two levels are kind of a level of observation. I want to see what Jesus is all about. I want to see what Jesus can do for me. And now in the level or the layer of the 70, they leave, they're closer to the heart of God and they leave the level of observation and they enter into a, an attitude or a dimension of serving and expectation and participation and uh, their primary motive at this level of relationship is their purpose. But they struggle doing ministry because they're trying to do ministry in the way that they think it should be done. They're trying to serve God in the way that they think they should serve God, not how God has spoken to them to do it. And so they want to serve on their level of commitment the 70 were operating on a level of commitment that, that they had pre-established in their minds. It wasn't something that um, they didn't have the plan, if you will. They just followed the go out and do. And, and that was the level of their commitment. And we know this because by the end of this, there's 120 that show up in the upper room. And so um, this the, the level of the 70 is, is based on obedience or lack thereof. And it's their level of commitments. It's on their terms. It's their conditions. Well, God, if you are with me, then I'll do it, if, et cetera, et cetera. Instead of saying, Lord, whatever you will, wherever you'll take me, whatever thing you'll make me go through, that's what I'm willing to do. The next level of that we see in scripture is the 12, the disciples, if you will. 
these are closer yet than the previous three. They're closer than the crowd. They're closer than the the 5,000, if you will. They're closer than the 70. These are the 12 chosen disciples of the Lord. They walk with him. They eat with him. They spend time with him. They get to know him. They leave all of their their life behind in order to do what they uh, are called. It's a level of total devotion to Jesus. And uh, I believe that he wants us to be there. He want, They want to do life with Jesus. I want to do life with Jesus. I don't want to just get by. I hope that makes sense to somebody tonight. I want to get to know Jesus and, and to be with Jesus. Um, they, they love doing and being around <clears throat> the Lord, excuse me, I have kind of a frog in my throat. Um, but at the same time, if you watch the different stories with the disciples, oftentimes they try to conform Jesus to what they think should happen. For instance, the woman at the at the or the woman with the issue of blood. It, the twelve were part of those who were trying to keep her silent, keep her quiet. It was it was the twelve that were trying to quote unquote protect him and and and, and those kinds of things and so so instead of just letting others they instead of just following Jesus and getting close to Jesus they become the defenders of Jesus. Now I, I need to say something here because I'm not criticizing the disciples again. I'm looking at the layer of relationship. We kind of all go through this. When you first know the Lord, you're you're part of that 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 crowd. You're just in awe of what He can do. The second level you get to is the five thousand, where now you believe, but it's really about what He can do for you. Then you get into this mode in relationship where you want to serve God, and but you think you know how to do it without direction, and you just kind of. And, and you end up getting frustrated, but then, then you become one of the 12, like the disciples. But it's in these, it's amongst these 12, uh, as they're closer, that they become defenders, if you will, of Jesus. I know people that love God with all their heart. They want to do everything with him, but they're in a defensive mode, trying to protect Jesus, if you will, from the onslaught of society. Can I just tell you that um, I'm not here to defend Jesus to all of the ideologies that are out there today, all of the societal ills, all of the pressures that are pushing against Christianity. Uh, you see, the disciples became uh, the defense mechanism of the posse, if you will of Jesus' group and band of followers. And, and so they tried to defend wherever they went. It, you get the picture of it. Even when they get to the garden and the, and the guards come to get Jesus, Simon Peter's first instinct is to cut off the ear of one of the guards. They didn't recognize, they loved Jesus. They loved having communion. They got to know him, but they still hadn't gotten to a level of relationship where they got the bigger picture of what God was trying to do 
through his humanity and through the concept of the cross and the death and the resurrection. And, and, and so there are people today even, I believe, good-hearted people in love with Jesus, wanting to do what they think is best for the kingdom, but they're out there and they've be, they have become political beings trying to defend Jesus from the onslaught of the enemy. Let me just share a little secret. None of the stuff that's going on in our world today has surprised Jesus. He knew what was coming. He knows what's coming. You can't defend him. He doesn't need to be defended. Defended. Here's what we need to do. We need to fall so much in love with him to do what he wants us to do by living the way he wants us to live and let all of the attacks and all of the other things let that be in God's hands. In fact, if you read Romans, I believe it's chapter 12, overcome evil with good. Love your enemy as yourself. Honor them that despitefully use you. Don't turn the other cheek. All of these quote unquote New Testament cliches, which they're more than cliches, but sayings or adages, if you will, these are things that Jesus wants us to live by. Do you not think that Jesus could have defended himself before Pilate or before Herod or before the, the throng of the Roman soldiers? He even said, I could call down my angels right now. He, none of this that's going on in the world has any power or authority over Jesus. But when you get on the layer of the disciples of the 12, you get this defensive feeling. And so you're you're fighting for quote unquote everything about the church, and I would just caution somebody. Saul of Tarsus thought that he was representing God and protecting God by persecuting the church, until Jesus shone a light down on him on the road to Damascus, and straightened him out and fixed him, and he became a a preacher of the gospel, if you will. There's nothing bad about being part of the 12. That's, they're the closest to Jesus on earth. I want to be as close to Jesus as I can, but the 12 were still not in union with him. And the reason why I know they weren't in union with him was because one betrayed him and they almost all scattered and hid Simon Peter, the one that he was gonna use the strongest in the New Testament is the one that denies that he even knows him that's the 12. Flawed characters. We're all flawed. That leads me to the next level, which is the three. Out of the 12, Jesus spent time with three, Peter, James, and John. They saw, they heard, they experienced the most with Christ, and they were willing to go and follow into places of glory and suffering um, until the heat gets turned up too high. And when it's all on the line, the fear overcomes them and their faith. In fact, I mentioned just a minute ago, but Simon Peter even denies him. And we don't even hear from James or John until later on. Um, out of those three, we only read of one going to the cross with Christ. And that's what we read in John chapter 19. I'm going to get to that in a minute. And, and the reason why I believe that the level of the three you are so close. You were there when Christ was transfigured, if you will. They are so close to the Lord. They are so in tune with God. They are so present with the Lord. And you can get to that, but at the same time, your faith can waver and struggle from time to time because of, of 
just your mentality, life's struggles, life's experience. Here's what I like about all of these, the 12 and some of the 70, the three, some of the others. When they comes on the other side of the cross and solidifies the relationship, all of them walk among him and for him and the church explodes and the uh, grow, read the book of Acts, miracle signs and wonders, the church grows like crazy and becomes a force. And we're still thankfully blessed to have that here today. The church I'm talking and Jesus is with us. And, and, and so again, these are not negative levels, if you will. These are just the levels of relationship that Jesus wants to have with us. He wants us to be part of the crowd. He wants us to, to, to elevate to the 5,000, elevate to the 70, elevate to the 12, elevate to the three. And then the final one that we see here in John, John was willing to go to the cross and accept the will of God and began to take care of Mary. Now, <clears throat> we don't see any other reference to any of the other disciples anywhere near Golgotha. But John stayed close. John understood something beyond what was happening. He was willing to pay the price at that moment. And uh, was he a perfect man? No, he was never perfect. But he was somebody that, that, that went the distance in their relationship without fear of faulting or faltering. That's what level of relationship God desires. Can I, just, can I just tell you, if you look across any church, across our church, we've got people that are at every different level of relationship with Christ. From the crowd to the one that is so in tune and connected with him, nothing will make them waver. No experience, no societal uh, issue, no situation or circumstance will trip them up. They have, they have become uh, uh, St. John, if you will. They're, they're standing at the cross. If Jesus takes them through the, the, the gross uh, aspects of the cross and then leads them to the elevated glory of the resurrection, they're there for the good, the bad, the ugly. There's no wavering. There's no faltering. And, and, that's, and I need to have people like that in my life to be an example to me so that if I'm at that level 12, I have something to shoot for to get to that level of one, oneness with him, unity with him, that I might know him, uh, <clears throat> which I said earlier was a, a term of intimacy. I need to know him so closely. And uh, it's, it, it's amazing that when you recognize these different layers, it takes all kinds to make a church. I pray for you that are in the crowd. Come join us. See what the Lord is all about. Check him out. Look for the signs and the miracles. But when you get to know him, don't stay in the crowd. Step out of the crowd and come to supper with the 5,000 and, and, and begin to see what God wants to do for you and how God wants to minister to you personally, and how God wants you to minister to you in your family. And then step out of the 5,000 and step into the 70 and get involved. Be a Sunday school assistant, be a greeter, uh, be a Bible study teacher, be a, 
find your place in the kingdom of God. Wash, uh, clean the, the building, do something, get involved, do service, talk to somebody and be a part of it. But don't stay there either. Grow in him to where you become one of the 12, one that sold out, one that is with him day in, day out. Get to know him, but then don't stop there. Continue on all the way until you get to that place where you are at oneness with Jesus and your relationship is strong and mighty and powerful in him, where nothing can interfere. For John, it was Patmos. It was persecution. John didn't waver. John didn't walk away. John just continued moving forward. Praise God. There's an old saying, and I don't know who said it. I've got it written down here that simply says this. You only get closer to someone or something by getting involved in what that one that you love is doing. Are you involved with him? Are you involved with Jesus? Are you seeking him and walking with him and talking with him? My prayer tonight is that you would, that you would grab a hold of his hand and let him lead you. Praise God, we're in this 100 days for glory. And I believe that his presence is becoming so strong amongst all of us. And I just believe that God is going to exponentially do some multiplication among us, both in number, but also in relationship. And my challenge to you the rest of this week is find out, figure out what layer of relationship you're at and then begin to ask God, Lord, let me get to the next level until I'm one with you, until I'm tied, tangled up with you. Praise God. Would you just bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord Jesus, we love you and we praise you. I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I pray for each person here tonight that's watching and listening. I'm asking you, Lord, that you would just in a very divine, special way, Meet them where they're at. Help them to figure out what level of relationship they're at with you and draw them to a higher level of relationship. We'll be careful to give you praise until we come together in the unity of the faith and unity with you. We'll continually seek and to save you or seek and to search for you so that you can save us from our sins. We love you and we'll praise you forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.